Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of Dear Percival. Yes, um, a very special podcast in which in which we are showcasing the character Danny Savarino. Now, Danny Savarino writes a diary. Now, this is why it's called Dear Percival. Yes, you see, there is logic behind the title. And Danny's uh, diary entries are called Dear Percival. And we shall be getting to those in due course. So gird your loins and bait your breath for those. This all comes from People of Bloomsbury, a wonderful new novel that is out right now, right now on Amazon. You can have it downloaded to your Kindle. Oh, it'll be there in just a trice, a millisecond. And you can be enjoying all the characters, including Danny Severino and all the rest of them. Oh, they're all wonderful. Please go and enjoy them. It's available on Amazon right, right now. Get on there and download it. People of Bloomsbury by the author D.J. Swales. Right. Now, this episode two is, what's it called? Ah, yes, episode two is called Mr. Bootle. Now, we mentioned episode, no, we didn't. We mentioned Mr. Bootle in episode one. <laughs> ah, so professional, so professional. I bet DJ Swales is really loving the fact that I'm reading these out. <laughs> Are you? Are you, DJ? Are you? Anyway, let's make a start. Episode two, Mr. Bootle. Are you ready? Here we go. No one has any idea of the diminutive Mr. Bootle's true age, but he often volunteers how he hailed from five generations of Anglo-Indians in Shimla, the favoured summer capital of India's ruling British Raj. The Himalayan hill town was named after what he describes as a fearsome incarnation of the goddess Kali. Mr. Bootle's English grandfather, an explorer and early visitor to the closed kingdom of Tibet, opened a bookshop there, the Eye of Shiva, targeted at colonists in spiritual crisis, exotic delirium, or those seeking further understanding of the swirling mosaic of India's colliding universes. Lady Mountbatten herself was a discreet and regular client, arriving alone and disguised as a typically stern boarding school governess. Mr. Bootle described how the spinster governesses stalked the surrounding hills for eligible military officers and diplomats enjoying the climate for a few days. They said they came to teach the children, but all they wanted was to drink gin, get hitched, and moved into a nice bungalow with a man in uniform, he explained. The Eye of Shiva proved so popular that an annex in steamy coastal Bombay soon followed to serve those unfortunates who couldn't escape the summer soup nor the sodden monsoon. The Bombay bookshop came to be the family's main base. Mr. Bootle described the location as most fortunate. Next to the bustle of Leopold Cafe and a stone's throw from where the Taj Mahal Hotel was soon to rise like a behemoth over the promenade. The Sultan of Jaipur's hotel guests could visit the bookshop on his personal account, Mr. Bootle said, his eyes warm yet forlorn. The bill was always settled in full on the eve of Ramadan, plus a little extra to be dispensed to the neighbourhood poor. Somerset Maughan, Mark Twain and Gandhi also visited, as did the Kiplings. 
Mr. Bootle laughed at how their unruly young son, Rudyard, once upset an entire bookshelf while swinging from a Persian wall hanging before bouncing off the tusk of a quarter-sized mahogany elephant. That was the day he fell in love with books, Mr. Bootle explained. They broke his fall. A third bookshop in the colonial capital of Calcutta followed, though the location proved a challenge next to a leafy square played by a squad of thieving macaques with compulsive bibliographic tendencies. They stole books at every opportunity, taking them to the highest banyan tree branches to line their nests, he explained. Eventually, as losses mounted from brazen theft, an orphan lango monkey was installed on a chain by the front door. Stress had caused his head to be smoother than a billiard ball, Mr. Bootle exclaimed to me one day over Turkish coffee, tickled by his own account, and his belly swelled grotesquely due to the endless delicacies brought by customers and their eager children. The languor admired the children in return, but often with an unsettlingly hungry look. My father said it was only a matter of time before he ate one of them. Did he? I asked, horrified but curious. It was never proved. <sighs> Mr. Bootle replied with a deep sigh. With the chained Langer monkey's inability to chase them, the mobs of macaques grew increasingly obsessed with his great corpulence. Some came to steal books, but many of them just came to stare as he pretended to snooze, daring each other to move closer. According to Mr. Bootle, if the bald guardian simply flicked a finger or fluttered his gorgeous eyebrows, thunderous terrors would rip from the transfixed macaques. They tore open the air with whoops and screams as they scattered. Mr. Bootle chuckled, his wide old eye dancing like he was back in Bombay. And that is the end of episode two. Thank you very much for listening. Now, you have something to do for me. You do. Now, it's important. <laughs> we all have to go to Amazon. Yes, we do. And we all have to go and purchase People of Bloomsbury by the brilliant author DJ Swales. And it will be downloaded to your Kindle in a matter of milliseconds. It's a wonderful book. He's a wonderful author. Please go and enjoy it. This has been episode two of Dear Percival, in which we showcase the life and the search for Danny Severina's parents. I hope you enjoyed it. We shall return. My name, incidentally, well, I haven't mentioned my name, have I? Oh, no. My name is Kevin Green. I have several other podcasts. I will list them in due course. Kevin Green to start with. Thank you. Thank you. Join us again when we come back and do another one of these things. Whichever one, I don't know which it is yet. Episode three, probably. That would be a good bet, wouldn't it? Episode three. Join me again when I give you more of Danny Savarina's life and Mr. Bootle's life. Who knows? It's so exciting. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. 